Jesus, we praise your mighty name, God, tonight. We give you glory for what you have done in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I can absolutely feel the wonderful love of Jesus Christ in this place. He has came to absolutely redeem every single person, and God's love is made available for every single person tonight. All that you have to do is reach out and say, God, I want to be a part of that love. I desire for that to be in my life. And God will pour it into your household, into whatever place you may be a part of in Jesus' name right now. He can pour that into your household and into your family, and you can feel that overwhelming presence of his right where you are at tonight. And so tonight we are going to pray for that. We're going to pray for these prayer requests, and we are going to believe that God is going to touch every single one of them tonight night in Jesus name. And so for brother Carlos, he said to pray for Mr. and Mrs. Brian DeVore. Um, let's see here for sister Fitzner, pray for the families that have lost loved ones this holiday season, give them strength and comfort. And we are going to pray for those things. We can believe that God will touch them and reach those tonight in Jesus name. So if you are with me, then I would ask that you stand, that you lift your hands and begin to lift your voice unto God, wherever you may be at in the name of Jesus. God, we come before you believing that there is power and authority in your name. God, we have opened our hearts in worship tonight, believing that your spirit will flow and touch every single one of us, no matter where we are at. God, I believe that through the authority of your name, God, that you can touch every one of these families that have been mentioned here. God, every one of these names that we have brought to you in faith tonight, God, that it is through your authority and through your name, God, that these people are being reached and touched right now, God. We pray for all those hurting during this season, God, all those who are in the midst of a storm right now, God, that you would show them you are alive and you are real, God, for all those who have never experienced your love on the deep levels that you desire, God. I pray right now that they would be exposed to it, God, Lord, and that their hearts would begin to be warmed by the wonderful love that you can pour into their lives, Jesus. Tonight, I am believing for that throughout our community, God, for every person and every place that is there and alive and well. God, let us reach them and let them show us, let, let us show them you, God. Let us show them your glory. In Jesus' name, we believe you that you will do these things tonight in Jesus' name. If you believe with me, then let's praise God for what he is doing and what he is going to do in Jesus' wonderful name. God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you again for being here with us tonight. We are believing again for God to do some incredible things. And so if you are in your house, if you're still standing, you can be seated tonight in Jesus' name, but just be ready to participate. If God starts moving in your household, I know that I, I haven't encouraged this a, a lot, but if God starts moving in your household, feel free to, to pause the live stream and let God work inside of your house. There's times that God comes and he begins to move in atmospheres and that sort of thing, and, and I would encourage you to just entertain that, that if you learn to entertain it, in an atmosphere like this, then you will learn to entertain it in atmospheres that might be more challenging, where you might have other distractions and things going on in your life, and you'll instantly be able to recognize those things instantly and say, well, that was God moving upon me. I need to pause right now and stand in his presence and hear what he has to say to me. And so sometimes uh, we must do that. We must uh, be a part of those things. And so I would encourage you to be a part of this atmosphere. And so this, this next month, 
um, as an announcement, is going to be our month of prayer and fasting. And I would encourage you to participate. I know that uh, there's going to be some Saturday nights that we're going to be down here praying together as a church. I know that Tuesday nights there's, there's prayer that's open down here at the church. You can participate in that. You can pray inside of your household. But I would encourage you to come and be a part of those Saturday night prayer meetings because uh, for so many people, they, they have questions about, well, how do I pray? How do I connect with God? How do I hear God? How come others hear God so much more clearly than it seems like I hear God and that sort of thing. Well, the best place, the best atmosphere to begin to experiment with that or to understand that is in those prayer meetings with these other people. Because if you come into an atmosphere like that, you will see how other people are connecting with God. You will feel God's presence. It's undeniable inside of that atmosphere. And you'll be able to see how God wants to speak to you throughout your life. And so if you have struggled with that, if you have questions about prayer and the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to challenge yourself this month to make it to every single Saturday night that we do have prayer here, to be here before service in prayer for at least a half hour, and to challenge yourself to be here for that entire time, that during that time you set aside everything else, that you don't worry about the water in the back or the food at Maverick or, or the bathroom or that sort of stuff, that you challenge yourself to be in the presence of God and dedicate that hour to him or that half hour before services. And if you will do that, then I guarantee that God will do some incredible things inside of your life. You will feel him like you never have before, and your relationship with him will grow uh, in some incredible ways. So please participate with us. Um, this lesson tonight couldn't have came at a better time. It is a, it is a lesson that I think will encourage you, that will show you that you can participate this month, no matter your experience inside of some of these things. And I know that some of this tonight is going to get into some deep stuff that may be a little bit confusing to, to some people. But if it is, please seek us out and ask questions. Um, that's what we're here for. We want you to know God, and we want you to have a prayer life so strong with Him that you do not have to worry about sin or darkness or things around you, that you do not have to fear those things. And tonight we'll show you that if you have a prayer life with God, then you do not have to fret those things. You do not have to go home worrying about what tomorrow is going to bring, but you can trust and have authority in the name of Jesus. And so, again, I would just encourage you, please, if you are a part of this church, if you are listening to this tonight, participate. Be a part with us. We want to bind arms together with you and fight against some of these things in our community in Jesus' name. And we can do that together through he, who he is. And so tonight, I'm going to dive into this lesson because there's a lot of material, a lot of things to speak about and to cover, and uh, I believe that God will richly bless you as well. If you do not have the manual, again, you can go to our website, gelandabundantlife.com, and download um, these lessons. And so tonight will be the last one of our series of being a blessed and a privileged people, which we absolutely are, and tonight we're going to talk about our standing in Christ, who we are what authority we have behind every single one of us. And so let's see if this works here today. Um, it skipped down a little bit on me here. So I'm going to try to do this from my phone. It uh, hopped up to the next one. Pastor, can you click on the first slide there for me um, on the, the display there? And we will see if that, that goes. Is it coming up on the screen? Should be the first slide there. Clicked on it twice. Let's, uh, oh, so, yeah, it probably, 
hopped up. I apologize here tonight. I think we're going to have to clear this. For some reason, it brought this back up. There we go. Okay, it is there. The sound is a little crackly tonight. Um, I apologize. I will not be able to fix that. <laughs> Jesus' name. There's only so many things that you can do. I apologize if the sound is crackling. Somebody else says it is crackling as well. Um, so we, we will just have to move forward, and, and hopefully you can hear me clear enough. If you can't hear me or if it's too bad, please let me know, and uh, we will have to change that. But if it's just a little bit of crackling, I apologize here tonight. Ephesians 6 and 13, it says this, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil days, and having done all to stand. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Again, taking on that whole armor of God, that we're able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Before I read this first paragraph, I'm just going to make one minor adjustment and see if that helps with the crackling here tonight. It, uh, it very well could, but I will try this out in just a second. So here we go here. All right. We are going to give that a shot tonight in Jesus' name. I appreciate you all letting me know that, and let's see if that fixes it. If it doesn't, then I don't know how to fix it tonight, and I apologize. So in Jesus' name, we want to stand in the armor of God, in the presence of God, and in who he is, and through his authority. It says this, For centuries, soldiers and warriors have marched into battle. Although nations and lands represent themselves differently in battle, one thing is common, their armor. Even today, body armor is standard equipment for soldiers preparing for battle. Yet to be effective, the armor must be matched not just to the soldier, but also to the circumstances. A great battle was coming. The army of Israel had been deployed to the field. The army of the Philistines camped on the opposite hillside. And the valley would soon become the site of a great battle. Day by day, soldiers from each side arrived. Both commanders gathered their uh, armaments, assessed the situation, and sought counsel from their generals on when and how to strike. But the Israelite king Saul was moody and dispirited. He seemed overwhelmed by the odds and was perhaps especially vulnerable to the taunts of the Philistine champion Goliath. Day after day, this gigantic brood appeared in this valley, taunting the king and his army. Goliath stood nearly ten feet tall. He was clad from head to toe in bronze armor, weighing some 125 pounds, and carried a massive spear, the tip of which weighed 15 pounds. He was a fearsome person indeed. The giant of a man challenged Saul or any man in the Israelite camp to single combat, but none would face him. In time, a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, David the son of Jesse, arrived in camp to deliver supplies. The lad was incensed, incensed that his, this enemy of God's people could leave such a bold threat without receiving any answer. At length, David convinced King Saul to let him challenge this titan. The king agreed on one condition, that the boy would not go out unprotected. 
he must wear the king's own armor. So the boy tried on the armor, which covered his whole vulnerable areas of his body, yet he determined he was determined not to use it. Instead, he faced the Philistine armed with only a staff and a sling. When challenged by the giant, David replied, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. With that, he let fly the stone from his sling, killing the giant with a single shot. Did David go out unprotected? Not at all. Rather than relying on bronze or iron, David found his security in the Lord. He did have the armor, spiritual armor, and that allowed him to win a great victory in the battlefield. It is incredible to see that David walked out into this battle knowing that he was going against somebody who was much stronger than he was, that he was going to face a challenge that was going to take much more than what he had inside of his person. But David had prepared for years on end for this battle. He knew that one day he might have to face a giant inside of his life. He knew one day he might have to face something that would try to take his sheep away from him. And so David, day in and day out, would practice battling, practice doing the things that he would do so that that one day when that battle would come, he would be ready for that giant inside of his life. You see, there were others around him that tried to get him to put on some armor, but David quickly realized that he was not experienced in that armor. He had never tried it on before. He had never fought in battle with it before. So David knew that it would be very devastating for him to take something brand new and begin to implement it in his first battle. But David took the things that he was experienced in, the spiritual warfare, the things of throwing the sling, uh, the stone from his sling, and he knew those things and so he understood that that was what he was going to have to march into this fight with and he teaches us something very greatly that we are going to march into certain battles in our lives and the only way that we are going to win these battles is not if we put on the armor that instant and say I'm going to go into this fight but if we walk daily in the armor that God has given to us to win those battles in those fights around us that is why prayer and Bible reading and seeking God's face daily is so essential in our walk as Christians because if we do not have that daily walk with God, then we are one day going to face a giant who might very well be able to overwhelm us. But if we daily put on the armor of God and the power that God has given to us, then we will be able to defeat that giant whenever he stands before us and there will be nothing that can hold us back from the will of God in Jesus' name. So we must understand this and we will see that as Christians, we are in a battle. As Christians, we are in a battle. If you are a brand new soul in this thing, you have now entered a battlefield. And please don't get scared because by the end of this, I'm going to tell you tonight that you are victorious because of where you are at in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you that even if you are the most experienced person in the kingdom of God or the church, that you are in a battle as well. And conflicts are going to come to every single member of the body. 
No matter who you are, you will face challenges and fights that you will have to overcome. And the only way that you are going to overcome them is through God. We must understand that we have an enemy, and this enemy is Satan. Although Satan may not think that any of us are as credible as, as we, we are in the kingdom of God and that sort of stuff, we, we may never fight him particularly or face to face, but we must understand that his kingdom is alive and well inside of our community. His kingdom is alive and well inside of this world. You can see darkness in television shows and so many different things that are promoting obscurities that are just crazy horrible compared to what God designed this thing to originally be. But we must say it this way, that in order to win the victory, we must first of all recognize the source of our strength. We must first recognize the source of our strength. That it is not you or I. It is not the, the things that we begin to do inside of our own lives. It's not the, the, the amount of push-ups that we begin to do or, or that sort of stuff. But what it ultimately comes down to is it is God's strength that becomes our strength. That the only way we win in these battles is by knowing that our strength comes from God and from God alone. It is not how many hours I spend in the prayer room. It is not the amount of time, that, the amount of days that I fast. But ultimately, I can do those things until I'm blue in the face. And if I do not have God in the midst of those things, then they peter out to nothing. But we must know that in the midst of that, if we are seeking God, then he will provide you with his strength to win the battle. You will not have to worry about the challenge challenges and the circumstances before you because even though as Christians you are in a battle you can know that God's strength is with you to help you win that battle and overcome in Jesus name that's why we are marching into January as a church knowing that we have the victory already within our hands but we are going to run into the enemy's territory as fast as we possibly can and gain as much ground as we possibly can because we have the strength of God inside of us in Jesus name so we must know that God will give us strength for this battle I know that many of us might struggle with sleep I know that our flesh gets weary when we don't eat but man when we have the power of God behind us we know that he has given us the strength to win this battle that you may grow weary but you won't faint because the Spirit of God is always going to lift you up and encourage you. Believers need to know that God can make them strong enough to win. You must trust in that daily that, God, you have given me the strength to win against this battle. Begin to pronounce it out loud. Begin to say that to your circumstances inside of your life. Speak directly to them. Say, you know what? You may be strong, but God has given me the power to overcome you today, and you will not win this battle. We can use this knowledge to wage an effective military campaign against the forces of darkness to overcome these things that are around us in Jesus' name. I know some of these beginning things, I might go through them quite quick, but this is just kind of an introduction to get to where I want to tonight. But ultimately, we must stand firm in who we are. There is no time, especially during this season, to back down from what we believe in. There is no time to say that I can rest during this time frame or during COVID and take a break 
from battling in the kingdom of God. But we must say, we must charge forward in God's strength, knowing that we are to win this battle that is before us. And instead of looking at ourselves or at the enemy, we must look to the Lord because Christ has already won the victory for every single one of us. You know, it's amazing because I, I can see this inside of the kingdom of darkness that when a Christian makes up their mind that they will not be defeated by the enemy, that they are not going to give in to sin anymore, that they are not going to let things bring them down that once brought them down, that they're going to have faith in God that he is going to hold on to them and take them through the challenges of time. I can see it right now, the frustration that begins to hit the kingdom of darkness when it realizes it can no longer touch that person because that person says, my strength does not come from anything around me, but it comes from God, a source that does not fail or does not shut off at certain times, but is always available. I can see the frustration in the kingdom of darkness knowing that they cannot convince or change that person's mindset any longer, saying, man, this person person is out of our reach but you know what that is so good for us because we can stand strong in the kingdom of God in victory in who he is and that brings us to another scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 and 10 that says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might be strong in who he is knowing that he has claimed that victory for us you can dance about that you can jump about that you can get excited about that because it brings glory to God in Jesus name this phrase in the Lord it appears in one form or another about 35 times in the epistle to the Ephesians alone in a few short chapters it appears 35 times to be strong in the Lord. This shows us the tremendous emphasis that Paul placed on the development of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What Paul was telling us is that if we are going to be victorious inside of this life, then we must begin to experience this relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way that we are to be victorious is not by coming up to the battle and saying, okay, now, God, I want to be a part of your life. But before the battle, saying, God, I desire to know more about you. Before the battle, saying, God, I desire to be baptized in your name. Before the battle, saying, God, I need your Holy Spirit to fill me and cause me to speak in other tongues. And if we do these things, then we will enter the battle strong enough to win and overcome in Jesus' name. But we must become experienced with the tools and the armor that God is giving to us. You see, being in the Lord is being hid with Christ. This abiding enables us not to only walk uprightly, but also to engage the enemy in spiritual combat. In addition to strength, we also need the power of His might. The power is available to us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead and accomplished His exaltation. The very thing that makes him Lord also makes our church triumphant. The battle will be difficult and fraught with danger. Some may faint and become casualties, but if the believer can be properly trained and equipped by the fivefold ministry with the proper weapons, then victory is absolutely assured inside of this. 
We can believe in this tonight, church. We can experience this tonight and know that God has given us the weapons to rise above and overcome. Unfortunately, during this COVID season, there are some who had the weapons but were not strong enough to continue in the battle. But I am praying that God would continue to reach them and strengthen them to help them to stand within this time because I do not want darkness to win inside of their lives, but I want every single person who has ever experienced the mercy and grace and God inside of this church to know that they have the victory and they are triumphant in who they are, that they can rise above the circumstance, they can rise above the gossip, they can rise above the things that hurt them or led them away from the church, but we can become triumphant in God and who he is. You see Ephesians 6 and 11, it continues to say this, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God, not just the pieces that you like or the pieces that you want to pick up inside of Scripture, but the entire armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We believe that we can stand against him. First Peter continues on by saying this, to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion he walks about seeking who he may devour and I don't know about you but I want to be prepared for the day that Satan shows up on my doorstep or that darkness shows up on my doorstep and I want to be so prepared that it is not even a challenge that just like David I can begin to to fling that stone around and throw it and in an instant those things are instantly vanished and gone inside of my life. I want to be so strong in the kingdom of God and have so much armor upon me that I do not have to worry about being pierced through by what is going on in the life around me. But we must be sober. We must be vigilant. It's saying we must be ready for battle because it is coming. It will be there. It will happen to every single one of us. And so tonight, I would encourage you to dive into to this, to be a part of this, and to be willing to be equipped by the kingdom of God. And so to endure this onslaught of the enemy, we must be properly trained and equipped. And to do this, we must know our enemy. We must know who he is. I am thankful that God has given us many scriptures so that we can understand who Satan is and what his kingdom is about. In fact, it begins to make it so clear for us that we can basically begin to form an image of him inside of our heads of knowing who he is. Scripture says this, that Satan is a deceitful adversary. He is deceitful, meaning that he is going to do things that look okay, but aren't going to be okay. And the only way that we're going to differentiate between what is really good and what is good but false, is by being in the presence of God or having his spirit inside of us. Scripture also describes him as the prince of the power of the air. And in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, he is described as the God of this world, little g, because he can't be the big God inside of the universe in Jesus' name. But he is the prince of the power of the air. You begin to understand why when we shout praises unto God and why we sing 
these things unto God and we, we shout hallelujah that literally when we shout those things unto God, it shatters airwaves. There, there's science that proves that. And it's incredible to know that Satan as the prince of the air, that when we are shouting those praises unto God and breaking airwaves around us, we are literally shattering Satan's kingdom around us. That is why he gets so upset at people who are free in the kingdom of God, at people who come out of the baptism rejoicing, at people who go home to their household and their families and they pray together and they sing together and they shout praises unto God because just in the midst of that, you are fighting back against him and tearing down his kingdom and he knows that you are not going to be able to touch him. But again, going back to that scripture earlier that we can stand to, to stand against the wiles of the devil, I want you to know that he has certain wiles that we must avoid and withstand. And this means cunning craftiness or strategies. That he has a plan of action to defeat God's plan. And his purpose is to snare men by tempting them with lies and deceitful lusts. And you can see that all throughout the world around us. In fact, he is a deceitful angel who transforms himself into an angel of light. He is known as a serpent for his subtlety, and he has his own religious followers, his own ministers who proclaim a false gospel and false doctrines. Through their deceptions, he seduces people into sacrificing to him in worship and fellowship at his table, drinking from his cup, and this drags people to the depths that he wants them to be drugged to. If you don't believe that this is alive in America because it is so well hidden around us, then I will tell you that it is very well and very alive inside of our community here of Gillette, Wyoming, that there are houses that I have walked into, that they have had altars and temples set up to satanic rituals with satanic symbols and things around them, and they have very boldly stated who they are. They were people who would go into the community and they would very boldly state, I am a satanic person and I will follow Satan with who he is. You will see these, 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 these influences alive and well around us. But that is why we as the church must know and understand that Satan may be deceitful, but we know the God of truth. Satan may try to deceive us as an angel of light, but we know the true light inside of this world. Satan may be able to snare some people, but we know how to walk into an atmosphere and lay hands upon people and say, you are delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that he can do to stop that. There is nothing that he can do to stop one of us, a sinner, coming to the church and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that he can do to stop that water from overcoming every single sin inside of a person's life. There is nothing that he can touch inside of that. So although those forces are alive and well around us in Jesus' name, you cannot let them scare you or intimidate you. Because although we are in a battle, we are victorious. We are victorious in Jesus' name. If you are in your house or listening to this tonight, shout that with me tonight, that we are victorious in Jesus. We are victorious. Begin to say it so loud that Satan can hear it inside of your house. Make up your mind tonight that he is not going to touch you. Sin is not going to have power over you any longer. But say that tonight. I am victorious in Jesus. He has given that to you in who he is. I am thankful for that tonight in Jesus' name. I am excited about that in Jesus' name. 
name. You see, here's another point about Satan that he doesn't like you to know much about him. He, he, he lies to you and says, man, I'm the biggest, baddest dude that's out here. Kind of walking up there like Goliath. Man, nobody's going to defeat me. Nobody's going to hurt me. Nobody's going to harm me. Satan comes up, tries to lie to you in the same way. But let me reveal this to you tonight. His power is limited. First of all, let me tell you, he is not God. Satan is not God. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. And let me tell you, the one real God that we serve, he has no rivals. Satan may look somewhat like a rival because he wants you to think that, but our God has no rivals. Not only has Jesus Christ defeated the devil both on earth and in the heavenlies, Jesus desires to share that victory with every single one of us. The scripture says to submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Scripture goes on in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. It says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Don't let him get an advantage inside of your life. But hold strong to these truths that I am speaking to you tonight in Jesus' name, that he has allowed victory to become part of your life. To be victorious in this battle, we need to be filled with the Spirit so God can work in our lives like spiritual armor. We must be victorious in the kingdom of God. But in order to be victorious, we need spiritual armor. I have said all of that at the beginning of this to bring you to this point here. That I want to talk about this introductory scripture here. That we are to stand with the armor of God upon us. We must become experienced in all of these six pieces of armor. But let me say this tonight before I begin to dive into this. That I know warfare and battles and things like that. It sounds like fun. And for many of us as men and boys, you always dressed up as army soldiers and said, man, I'm going to go and fight these battles because it's a cool thing and all this sort of stuff. But there are some dangers associated with this if we try to dive into this without having basic foundations inside of our life. For example, if we want to get involved in spiritual warfare and take on the kingdom of darkness, yet we do not want to show up for a Sunday morning or a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service, then let me tell you, your foundation is crumbling and you're going to get into that battle alone and it's going to begin to overwhelm you. But you must become a part of the kingdom of God and begin to emphasize these things daily and get involved in the things that you can over and over and over again. And in fact, I would encourage you to read the beginning part of this book of Ephesians, all those chapters there that sometimes we skip over just to get to the armor of God. But there's so much meat and so many things that are inside of that that tell you about how you can fight the good fight. And so we are here to employ the armor of God. The spiritual armor that he wants to place upon us. And as I emphasized earlier tonight, no piece of this armor can be left out. You either take it all or you leave it all beside. You either decide I'm going to participate in every aspect of this or you decide I am not going to participate in any of it. It's not to say that you might not be stronger in some area than another area. 
but you can certainly pick up these pieces and begin to put them together to withstand what Satan has put before you. The purpose of this spiritual armor is to enable us to stand. Its purpose is to enable us to stand. We see that this armor listed in Ephesians that we have read about, that there are five pieces that are meant for a defensive, protective state. And there is only one piece of that armor that is meant for an offensive state. I know that that is sometimes something we get confused as well, that we think, man, I am just meant to go out there and begin to start slashing stuff and that sort of thing. But in some senses, that's God's job, and we should not be taking on that aspect without him telling us to go forward and to do so. But ultimately, what this, this, this armor is for is for us to withstand in the evil day. Ephesians 6 and 13 tells us that, that this is for us to withstand in the evil day. I like to say it this way, that we are to stand in order to withstand the things of Satan, that God has given us that power to stand so that we can withstand what Satan begins to throw at us or darkness begins to throw at us. Those who have lost battle after battle where you come to church and you go home and you fall into certain sin. Or you come to church and you go back home to an addiction that you just can't seem to kick. I would encourage you to research this stuff, to dive deep into it. Because this armor is armor that you can put on in the church. And when you go back out and those things try to pierce you through yet again, you can feel it hit that armor. And it may hurt a little bit, but you will be able to withstand it in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, it is a day of trial and testing, but also a day to prove the power of our God. In the midst of COVID, there may be trials and temptations around us, but this is the time that we are to prove our God and show the world around us that no matter what is thrown at us, we will stand because of his power and what he has given to us. The word withstand means to defend territory that has already been taken and to take new territory. To defend territory that has already been taken and to take on new territory. Satan gets absolutely upset when you say you will not touch this part of my life any longer. You will have no influence over this part of my life any longer. Your flesh begins to become upset when you tell it the same thing. Man, that's why we're going to fast this month and shut our flesh down so that it cannot say that it has the territory inside of our lives. But we want to give as much as we can to the kingdom of God inside of this place. After every victory, Satan will attempt to take back what we have gained in battle. And that's why we must be so careful when we are going into this, that we are led by God's Spirit. Because if we go too deep into it, we might get ourselves into some trouble. But we are victorious in who he is. We must resist Satan. Give him no place to gain back what he has lost. I will give him no place to gain back souls that have been won to the kingdom of God. But I will continue to pray daily for all those. I will continue to seek God's face daily for all those because I believe that Satan will not be able to take back that which is God's. That is why I pray for every single one of you, all of you that are on this live stream because I know that you 
you are victorious in the kingdom of God and that Satan cannot take you back by his own power. If you want to turn back and go to those things, that's one thing. But Satan himself does not have the power or the ability to change or to pull you back to where you once were because you are victorious in who God is is so we must take action by daily being renewed in the holy ghost which is like suiting up ourselves in that armor every morning saying god i am prepared i am ready for these things before me let them come at me and they may hit this armor it may hurt a little bit as those things begin to pierce through but i know that i can stand strong because i am victorious in the kingdom of god so spiritual armor gives us protection spiritual armor it gives us protection i have always questioned i've always been curious to see what history actually looked like i've always tried to imagine what it would look like when these two armies when all of this armor and hundreds of thousands of people would clash in the middle and you hear about these warriors and these fighters who have went into battle after battle after battle and they were able to survive and I've just always questioned that of how were these men able to go into these battles and kill so many and how were they able to survive themselves how were they able to withstand those fights and those testing there we go sorry about that microphone just died so we have to switch to the other microphone. And so I have a question about what would happen inside of some of these things where somebody might have, you know, went into this battle and won over and over and over again in these wars and they were just so critical in, in leading these, these militaries. And so there was a time and, and I was on YouTube and for whatever reason, YouTube thought that I would like this video. And so um, I, I clicked on this video and it was a video of modern day, the, these battles that they have. And I didn't realize that they had these things, a modern day battle where it's literally this professional sport where men will dress up in, in old armor and, and ladies as well, but they'll dress up in this armor from back in the day. And they will literally go onto this closed in battlefield and they'll have like 10 people on each side and they will grab swords and, and, and bats and, I mean, things that, that would absolutely hurt if you hit somebody without this armor on. And they, this referee in the middle will tell them to go. And they will run at each other and they will start hitting one another with these, these, these heavy pieces of metal and iron. I mean, they're sharp and it's crazy. And I'm like, how on earth is this allowed to happen? Like, what if somebody dies in the midst of this? But it amazed me as I watched this that people with their, their armor would go and they would get hit, but they were still able to stand against what was going on, that, that they were able to continue forward. And the whole goal of this game is to knock somebody to the ground. And when they fall to the ground, they're out. And so you try to knock the other team down. But it amazed me how much they were able to stand against real swords and against real spears and this sort of thing of people hitting them and, and trying to stab them and all of that sort of stuff over and over again. It just absolutely amazed me that they were able to, to overcome that in what they were doing. And so in the midst of that, it showed me how the armor of God can truly protect us in so many different ways. That man, you know what? It, it, that, that, that scripture says that, that armor will protect you. 
And we see it in history, and I saw it on this live video, and now it makes so much more sense inside of my head. That, man, it might hurt when you have a solid piece of steel come and clunk you on that armor, but you can still stand up to fight back against that. You can still stand up to withstand what the enemy is throwing at you. That you may get knocked down a little bit, but man, it's not going to kill you. You can still withstand and take on those things that are before you. I understand this life, that we are walking through uncharted territory. I understand that there are things that might come up inside of the church, that might come up inside of this world that knock us down, that might hurt. But you know what? You can still get up to stand and withstand those things that the enemy has thrown at you. And so as we go through this army to conclude this lesson tonight, or this armor, we must realize the strength that God has given to us. Yes, thank you so much, Pastor, for doing that, changing the batteries out in Jesus' name. So spiritual armor gives us protection to take on the enemy. First of all, let's talk about the girdle. The girdle, truth, the girdle. It's not a part of the actual armor itself, but it provides the means to attach the other pieces and to hold them together. You see, back in the day when you had all of this armor and this weight upon you, if you did not have something to attach it together, then you would not be able to move as freely or as quickly as you might want to to begin to go against the enemy. You would not be able to spin to defend yourself against a blow because this armor would be so clunky it would be hard to run or hard to move or hard to change or transition. But when you had this girdle that would come about and begin to wrap it tightly to your body, then all, all of a sudden you could begin to move with much more freedom. You all of a sudden, this armor wasn't as heavy and thinking, man, it's just here to weigh me down. But now all of a sudden you could run again. You could get back in the battle and you could fight against the things that were coming against you and what might have been there. You see, these people back in the day were hampered the, the, by the freedom of the movement which was required for a race or a battle, and they knew that they must have a girdle to begin to strap these things down a little bit tighter. And so to have truth as the girdle that binds all the armor provides freedom of motion to fight the enemy, unhindered by personal doubts and guilt. Unhindered by personal doubts, by personal guilt, by what the enemy has told you, by what your boss has told you, by what the world has told you, when you begin to put truth inside of those circumstances, no longer do your fears begin to hold you down or bind you down or cause you to think that your armor is heavy. But all of a sudden, when you begin to put the truth of God's word inside of your life, you begin to say, man, I have a lot more freedom in this armor than I ever had before. That these things aren't here to restrict me, but God has given me something to protect me and to help me to become righteous inside of his name, to become victorious and who he is. When you begin to trickle truth into the situation, you see why the girdle, although it is not part of the armor, is so essential to keeping the armor upon you. Because if you do not have truth, then you do not have the freedom to move as freely as you might want to. You could have righteousness. You could have faith. You could have all of these things, but you will be restricted by who you are if you do not have truth. Things like there is only one God, and we believe in only 
only one God. That in order to be baptized, you must be baptized in Jesus' name. And if you are baptized in some other name, then you must be baptized in Jesus' name. You see why we emphasize that over and over and over and over again inside of this church. Because if we do not have truth, we may have faith, we may have these other pieces, but we will not have the freedom to fight the enemy that we want to. We will not have the freedom to defend ourselves from the enemy that we may need one day inside of battle. We must have our loins girt about with truth that will absolutely hold these pieces together upon us. Not only that, but we must know that we must have the breastplate because the breastplate will cover our vital organs. The things that if they are pierced through, it almost means certain death. The things that if, if somebody was stabbed through, man, it would just be done and over with. We must understand that this breastplate of righteousness covers the parts that need protected the most. To protect ourselves, or for people to protect themselves from a fatal blow, they must have within them the ability to make right decisions every day and to take right action in the face of temptation and disappointment. To protect yourself from a fatal blow from the enemy, you must decide that you are going to make the right decisions every day and take the right action in the face of the enemy. I understand that we are going to make bad decisions someday. I understand that we're going to mess things up at certain points in time. But what we must know is that when the decision comes before you to do good or evil, to do God's will or somebody else's will, to do what he desires of you or to do what somebody else desires of you, that you will rightly make the decision, I am going to do what is right in the eyes of God. I am going to stand for the things that are pure and true and right in his eyes. You see, because if you will do that, then you are protecting the most vital organs of your spiritual life. If you will live in righteousness and begin to live a holy life and begin to dedicate yourself and say, I'm not going to watch certain stuff anymore. I'm not going to be involved in certain things anymore. Even though it's fun, it's a defiant unto God. I'm going to leave those things away and I'm going to put righteousness upon my life. If you begin to do that, you are protecting the most vital part of your relationship with God. That's why you must put on the breastplate of righteousness and say, I'm going to defend everything thing that God has given to me. And if you think about having that armor on the front of you, there may be people around you that begin to, to prick at it and try to stab at your righteousness and saying, well, you're just trying to be better than all of us. And you're just trying to do this or that. And they come up with so many different excuses of why you are living better than they are. But you must understand that you have that breastplate of righteousness and that it's essential to your protection. That again, if you have truth and you have faith and you have these other pieces of the armor, but you do not have the breastplate of righteousness, then you are exposing yourself to death, to a spiritual death that you don't want to take a part of. So put on the breastplate of righteousness and say, I am going to stand rightly so for God on a daily basis. 
take it up this month. Put it on. This month, if you read this daily, put these things on every single morning. You see, this encompasses a practical righteousness. God gives us a practical righteousness that enables believers to make right choices even when beset by severe temptations. That God has given you that ability. He has given you the tools to say, I will make the right choice. I know it may be challenging but if you are in the presence of God, He gives you the ability to make the right choice inside of that circumstance. So do it to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Next is something that can be very important. The third piece of armor, your shoes. What your feet are shod in, what you have upon your feet. Shoes gave a warrior protection for his feet and a better footing, especially in close-range combat. I don't know if you have ever been involved in maybe mixed martial arts or any hand-to-hand combat or that sort of thing, but one of the most essential pieces that they talk about is having your, your base down low and getting your feet firmly planted so that you can begin to, to emphasize your blows and your strikes and that sort of thing. It's an essential part of fighting and, and battle that you must have that base, that even somebody who looks absolutely weak, who cannot lift hundreds of, of pounds of weight and that sort of thing, can really begin to deliver absolutely efficient blows if their feet are founded upon something that is very true and very positive and very passionate there. So we have the preparation of the gospel of the peace as shoes. In this context, the, words, this context, the word preparation, it can refer to two things. To be prepared for anything, instant, in season, or to be prepared in one's spirit and heart by the peace that gospel brings. It's giving you a foundation that says, you know what? No matter what this battle is going to bring, I'm going to walk out of it. That no matter what the enemy throws at me today, I'm going to win. That no matter what people begin to say about me or around my life or the way that I live for God, I am going to walk out of this battle victorious. It begins to give you peace and authority of knowing that, man, I am founding it, founded on something solid. And because I have the armor of God, I am again victorious in who I am. So put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Put on those shoes that begin to solidify the rest of that armor inside of your life. Because without a sure foundation in who you are, then you will lose the battle when it comes down to it. The next one, your shield of faith. The shield of the Roman soldier covered most of the body and was flexible enough to be turned in any direction to block the blows of the enemy. The sides of the shield were designed, listen to this, the side of the shield was designed to interlock with other shields of fellow warriors. The soldiers could lock their shields together and march toward the enemy as one body. Our shield is a shield of faith, not merely saving faith, but fighting faith. It means a trust and a reliance upon the promises of God and His power to make those promises a reality. Faith can defeat whatever the enemy can throw against us, and whether an attack comes as a thought, a suggestion, or a word for someone Satan is using for his purposes, 
Faith can defeat its influence in your life. The church becomes unbeatable when individual faith joins in unity with the faith of other members of the church. Individual faith may be defeated, but the unified faith of the whole body creates an impregnable wall of invincibility that Satan will not be able to pierce through. The gates of hell shall not be able to stand against the church. If we believe this, if we trust in this tonight, and we are all willing to put on our armor daily, we can rest assured that we can lock our shields together when we come together in prayer meetings, when we are praying for one another, knowing that we are standing upon a very fierce foundation, that nothing is going to be able to pierce through that, and God has put a very strong church to withstand whatever the enemy may throw at us in this kingdom in Jesus' name. We can trust and have reassurance upon that. I hope that that brings you courage in knowing that even if you are weak in carrying these things around, that even if you just started carrying these things around, you are strong because we are a church unified together. We are a church unified together. So we must begin to put the shield of faith upon our armor as well. Say, I'm going to march forward, not only having faith that God has saved me, but that whatever I face, again, whatever the enemy begins to try to stab me with or throw at me, my shield is going to protect me. My God is going to protect me in these circumstances. The shield of faith. And then we have the helmet that protects the head. Salvation. It's Satan's first level of attack. It's going to be on our minds. And through evil thoughts, he can build strongholds that he can use to incite your imaginations. I think we have all maybe experienced this to some degree, not saying that we are possessed by Satan, but a thought begins to get into our head and we begin to get influenced that maybe something isn't true or something isn't able to, 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 to work the way that it's supposed to work or we get discouraged or depressed or whatever it may be and all these things begin to come into us. Let me tell you, if you will put on the helmet of salvation, it will begin to protect your thoughts against these things that are inside of your life. Salvation does more than deliver from the penalty of sin. It also protects from the power of sin. It doesn't just say, man, you're going to be able to resist this, but it's going to protect you from the power of sin. Maybe something that comes up from your backside that you were never able to see that tries to pierce into your life, and it is not able to do so because you have put on the helmet of salvation. You have said, I have been, I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have said, I want to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as a result of those things filling up, you have put on that helmet that will defend you from Satan's attacks. Again, spiritual armor will give you protection. All of these pieces that we have spoke about are pieces that are defensive, pieces that will protect us, pieces that will keep us inside of the kingdom of God. But there is one piece in this armor that I cannot leave out here tonight because it is the only offensive piece inside of this. The sword allows us to go on the offensive. The sword allows us to go to places where we begin to say, you know what, Satan? You've had a part of my community for far too long. Now is when your time ends. 
You know what, darkness, you have had a part of my community for far too long. Now is when that ends. This is how we do this. Scripture says this in Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick, it is powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. The Word is a weapon that can bring conviction to sin. It has been given to the Christian soldier by the Spirit. As the Spirit possesses a believer, He provides a sword to use against the devil. Not to go through the community and begin to stab one another as human beings and and put people down and that sort of thing, but to say, you know what, Satan, I am going to live righteously, and if you try to take somebody from me, I am going to put up a fight and be willing to defend them as strongly as I can. And you know what Satan hates the most is when you begin to throw truth right back at him in his face. That's what happened with Jesus on the mount, that when Satan began to throw stuff at him, Jesus began to throw truth right back into Satan's face. And you can see how he just got irritated and discouraged by what was going on there. So when Satan says, man, you must live in depression, you must be addicted to this for the rest of your life, you cannot be freed from this, then you begin to throw scripture right back at him of saying, God has said that I am free. God has said that I am delivered. God has said said, I do not need to live in the midst of this. And that is where you are taking your sword. See, you have your shield. You have those pieces of your armor. So Satan throws his stuff at you. It does not defeat you. And you take your sword and go right back at him and says, Satan, this is what the Bible truly says about this. When Satan tells you you cannot have your community, when Satan says this church will remain at the same number forever and all time, when Satan tells you that no one else will be baptized this year, you begin to say, Satan, you are wrong, man. Here's the truth. Here's the things that are coming right back at you. And you take the sword and use it against him and his kingdom. You see, you can prevail in the kingdom, in the authority of God and who he is in Jesus' name. As the sword enables us to go on the offensive, prayer enables us to prevail, to prevail inside of these things. Prayer is our weapon, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God is calling us higher, and just as Paul called the Ephesians to be wary, God is calling his people today to war. Prayer is a discipline of endurance. The word watch simply means to stay awake or to keep alert. The enemy is on the prowl, but praying believer is always aware of him and ready to meet the conflict head on armed with the word of God's promise. We must pray even when we do not feel like it, even when it is not convenient. Only through prayer can we win battle. Prayer includes requests or supplications, but it is much more than that of just me, myself, and I. Too many Christians consider prayer merely a time of placing their orders with God for what they want to receive personally, but prayer is a communion with God. It is relationship. Thanksgiving is prayer. Intercession for others is prayer. Supplication is prayer. All of it is vital, not just as a benefit for oneself, but for others also. 
you'll begin to see why it is essential that you suit up in the armor of God daily. Because there might be somebody beside you who does not yet have the armor of God, who Satan is coming and knocking on their doorstep, or their flesh is coming and knocking on their doorstep, or, or, or the darkness is coming and knocking on this person's doorstep. But because you have put on your armor, you are not worried about stepping into that situation and saying, God, I know you can win in the midst of us, in the midst of this. I know those households that I told you about earlier, stepping in there and seeing those altars to darkness and spiritual wickedness. It is insane that even in the midst of our community that they are here in this place. But I always walked in there with confidence, not discouraged, saying in the name of Jesus Christ. And although I might have been saying it under my breath, I knew that God would bind every single darkness and wickedness that was inside of those households. And I said, God, do not let it out. Do not let it be free inside of this place, but let it be miserable until somebody finds your presence and who you are. You see why if you have the armor, you have authority to say things, to defeat the enemy and the things that are around you. You can stand in the midst of that. And I am not ashamed. I will proclaim it to this community that we are not scared to face against those things. We are not scared to have prayer meetings. We are not scared or intimidated to show up for prayer meetings because we know the victory that is inside of us. We know we want to link our shields together and stand in who he is in Jesus name. So let's do that. Let's make a commitment tonight, church, that we are going to put these things on this month, that more than ever before, we are going to search truth out. We are going to put righteousness upon us. We're going to put our shoes on with the gospel of peace. We're going to grab the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shield of faith. We're going to put these things on daily, and I would encourage you to memorize that so you can quote it in the morning when you get up saying, God, these things are upon me. I want them to be upon me and they come upon you as you begin to live them out in your daily life. Be a part of it. Be involved in it. And I wish I could go deeper into so many of these tonight, but our time is drawing to a close. So tonight I want you to be encouraged in that. I'm going to read this last few paragraphs and then we're going to pray tonight that God would put these things upon us as we enter the month of January, knowing that we are going to be nothing but victorious. We're going to gain some ground and overcome what is before us. Let's say that in faith. After crossing the Jordan River, God's people were empowered by God to march from one victory to another. Led by Joshua, they achieved astounding victories at Jericho and eventually at Ai. As the reputation spread, other kings lined up for battle with the Israelites. The Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites actually joined forces against them, but it did not matter. Backed by the power of God, Joshua was confident of their victory. One group of Canaanites, however, took a different tactic against the Israelites. The Gibeonites resorted to deception. Dressed in worn-out clothing, they approached Joshua, pretending to have come from a great distance pointing to the cracked wineskins and moldy bread as evidence that they were not near neighbors. The Gibeonite delegation asked for a peace treaty. The Israelites sampled their provisions. Indeed, these people appeared to have come from a far distant land. 
the Israelites did not require or inquire of the Lord. Without using the spiritual tools of discernment and prayer, Joshua made a treaty with the Gibeonites and confirmed it with an oath. Three days later, the armies of Israel marched into Gibeon, Shepharah, Berath, and Kirjajiram, the cities they had planned to attack next. However, they quickly realized these were the people they had just sworn an oath to live in peace. Though he made the Gibeonite servants of Israel, Joshua was not able to eradicate them from land as God had commanded. Why? Because Joshua relied on his own defenses, that is, on his own judgment, rather than relying on the spiritual protection of the Lord. Make no mistake that we too are in a battle with the enemy. Satan wants nothing more than to defeat our faith and our witness in this world. His most basic tool is deception, and we have spiritual defenses to counteract his schemes. And armed with the word and with prayer, we have the power to prevail as the Holy Ghost works through us like armor. However, our weapons do us no good if we do not use them. Only by being filled with the Holy Spirit can we stand against the devil's schemes. May we never be deceived and go down the road of what our own eyesight sees, but we must go down the road of what our spiritual eyes see through what God has given to us in Jesus' name. If you could lift your hands, let's pray that God would just let this settle upon us. God, I'm believing that during this month of January, it is upon us, God, that this prayer and fasting that will happen this month will gain us victories like we have never had before. God, experiences in this land that may be uncharted, God. I am believing for every person tonight that has heard this word, God, that you will help them commit unto righteousness, God, that you will help them to put on this armor, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, their feet shod with the gospel of preparation of peace, God, that with these two God, they will not be defeated by the enemy, but God, we will go forward and speak truth into this community, God, that where lies and deceits have been told, God, we will speak your gospel and your word as your spirit leads us, God, that through this church, God, in this month, God, we will overcome and rise above what is around us, Lord, that walls and territories will be defeated and won back for who you are, God. I pray for every soul out there, God, that has been deceived by Satan and darkness and sin and the things of this world, God, that you would reach them and turn their eyes, take the scales off of their eyes to see the light that you have shown throughout this community, God. I am believing for baptisms, God, for infillings of the Holy Ghost this month, God, that it will occur inside of this church, Jesus. Let it be in this community. Touch every person that has been here tonight. Give them the strength to stand and withstand the wiles that Satan may throw against them. Tonight we believe these things and we trust in it because of your word and the truth that is there. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name we pray. Amen and amen. If you believe that, then let's just take a couple seconds and give praise to God for the victory that he has given unto us in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Again, we would encourage you to be a part with us this month. To, uh, if, even if you have to work, I don't know if you have a lunch break where you're able to swing down here or something like that. Or even if you can't swing down here in your work vehicle, pray with us. Just know that the Spirit isn't just in one place. We can pray together in Jesus' name. But if you can be here, if you have Saturday afternoons and you're not working Please be here. Bring your families. Be involved with these prayer meetings because we need to, to link this together and see God do some incredible things. So let's join together. Let's be with one another. Thank you for being here tonight. We will continue next Wednesday night with um, a service. And I believe this, uh, this Sunday night is the, uh, is the ladies' meeting. And so if you are a lady, um, you, you can become a part of that. In Jesus' name, you can see Sister Carnahan if you have any questions about that. We're continuing that for this month. And we're just going to see what God does. I know there's a vaccine that is out and available. Um, just so you all know, I, I took the first dose of it. Um, so that was a few weeks ago. I'm still alive and well. I have no extra arms or anything like that. So I didn't see anything scriptural that was against it. So um, I went forward with it because I want to go to some places this year. And I think it's going to be a requirement for me. So I'm not saying that you have to, but it's just something that, that is out there. So pray about these things. If you're in the Spirit of God... You will know what is of Satan, and you will know what is of God, and it will be clearly discernible. So move forward, walk in that in Jesus' name, and we will do that. Have a wonderful night, be encouraged, and we will see you on Sunday in Jesus' name.